Always do it on my own, so I gotta get through it And the only thing I know is to love what I'm doing Never give up, never slow, till I finally prove it Never listen to the no Good evening. Look away. What are you doing? Look at me when I'm speaking to you. In 1776, the year of our Lord and Savior George Washington and his son, Thomas Jefferson, a bunch of beer-soaked hooligans in a tavern not so far, far away decided they didn't like being told what to do. What happened after that was such an incredible invention, such an incredible idea that it has shaped the modern world and possibly the foreseeable future. That was individual liberty. Well, currently, individual liberty is under attack. To those people who wish to destroy individual liberty, who wish to take our rights, suck our dicks, and our balls. Dude. house is like all packed up and I'm like getting ready for this road trip to go to a funeral and in a week or whatever. Oh shit. Who and died? Uh, Shelby's great grandfather. Uh, well, so it's a, a sad funeral, but it's not like a, a tragic death or something like that. No. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 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 All right. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Um, for all four of our viewers, <laughs> we uh, still trying to grow this, but um, so I know if you're you're okay with it, I'm just gonna get right into it. Your background looks cool, by the way. What are you in a sauna? <laughs> no, this is uh, this is my office. Oh really? Yeah. Is it in a cabin in the middle of the woods in Minnesota? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, sometimes I wish it was. You and me both. I, I was thinking about that the other day, just getting off grid. And yeah. honestly, I probably. thought about. Sorry, go ahead. As I was just saying, I, pro I would probably do Montana over Minnesota, but yeah. Oh yeah, that's true. I always get them mixed up, but they're vastly different. I'll yeah. probably I'll have yeah. to. Yeah, I'll have to look out for IEDs if I go to Minnesota this time of year. <laughs> <laughs> um, alrighty, so I know I know you pretty well, um, but could you give kind of a brief biography biography of yourself? Yeah, uh, so I was born in Pasadena, California, quickly um, escaped that country and uh, and moved to Virginia, um, where I was raised most of my life. Um, I was diagnosed with Asperger's at a pretty young age, uh, right out of high the school. The next like step in human before. evolution. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. continue. Uh, some say. Um, but yeah, so I, so I joined the Marine Corps right out of high school. Um, and uh, I did two deployments, um, first one to Yemen, second one to Iraq. And then um, I got out and had nowhere to go. So I figured I'd just restart life in Austin, Texas. Mm -hmm. And um, and since then, that was in 2017, by the way, uh, when I got out of the Marine Corps and moved. Mm -hmm. um, so I moved to Austin and it wasn't exactly an easy transition. I had a lot of like alcohol problems and mm -hmm. you know the typical shit that you have when you get out of the marine corps infantry um yeah. you know i had all those issues because i lived with yeah. you in austin for a little bit so uh, you know all too well that i i understand the strange adjustment period yeah um but since then you know i don't, I don't drink anymore uh not that anyone else shouldn't but um 
so yeah, so I got I got an apartment, and then I moved into that really crappy one with you and Zach. Mm-hmm. Um, started started Legion of Liberty, um, which is a firearms training company here locally in Austin. Mm-hmm. And, uh, got into investing, bought a house, and now I have three kids, two dogs, and a girlfriend. <laughs> That's pretty diverse. How did so Legion of Liberty? What? Um... I remember one time I was blackout drunk, but you were trying to show me a documentary <laughs> about what that means. What is because this um, what we're trying to do here at this show is we're not Republican. We're not Democrat. Like we don't buy into that false dichotomy. We're just focused yep. on individual liberty. Whatever comes down the pipe, whatever issue, whoever's in office, individual li- liberty is the one thing that keeps us. It's our North Star. Um, so can you kind of talk about how you came up with the name for your business a little bit? Um, Because I think it's fascinating what I do remember. Yeah, so Legion of Liberty. um, The name is more or less a call to arms. And not a call to arms in in probably the historical sense, but Mm -hmm. probably more so a call to action, right? Because the biggest, at least I think, the biggest thing plaguing our country and the world at large is, is, is inaction, you know, in its in its um, in its uh, larger self. So the 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 ideology around Legion of Liberty derives from the, the Liberty Matrix, um, and which is which is best represented through the monument to the forefathers at Plymouth Rock. Mm-hmm. It basically outlines a Christian worldview for how to run a country and um, and participate within it. Right mm-hmm. within a community, yeah. right, and be active in your community, be active in your in your lifestyle, and take an on purpose approach to your life from a godly perspective. Mm-hmm. To that end, um, that whole that whole uh, watered down version of of Christianity that that we as Americans have grown to know um, that that is that is fraught with with men and women of inaction. Um, is is not what i'm talking about i'm talking about a a um an ideology a lifestyle that is not only worth protecting but it it is necessary to protect to protect Mm -hmm. and it provides you the tools by which to do it um and it doesn't it doesn't uh you know kick kick you out or, or yeah. alienate you, so to speak, if yeah. you do. And so as, as men of liberty or liberty men, as the mm-hmm. monument would actually describe them, um, uh, we are there strictly to, to put out tyranny and, and, um, and not allow people to keep us from living the kind of lifestyle that we choose to live. Yeah, I think, and I think that America, for all of its flaws, and if you go anywhere else in the world, I mean, the proof's in the pudding. It's a pretty good pretty good foundation for the country. And that's why I'm not religious, but um, you brought up Christianity. Uh, You can't deny or take that out of our, you know, our roots as a country. Now, I mean, there's people I think don't fully understand it. Like, for instance, Thomas Jefferson wrote his own Bible and took out all the supernatural stuff. So it's there's some leeway there. But, you know, a Christian worldview and a liberty worldview definitely was a very important foundational part of this country. And uh, um, I forgot where I was going to go with that, yeah. but yeah, to, to that end, to that end, uh, a lot of people don't know that the the Mayflower Compact, probably the 
most under one of the most underrated documents in American history mm-hmm. um, was actually a pact between a a church and God. They actually signed it before they got off the Mayflower. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and it is a Christian document. Continue. Yeah, they actually came. So they came over on. Um, it was a it was a a a church that actually came over on wine shipping vessels that aren't even seaworthy or meant to well mm-hmm. they obviously were seaworthy but they weren't meant to be used at sea and they had actually been going around europe well not europe at large but a couple countries trying to escape um persecution in the countries that they were in right religious persecution and all they were trying to do is you know practice their own religion they weren't trying mm-hmm. to interfere with other people yeah um print bibles and so on and uh and they were straight up getting hunted no matter where they went and so they chartered these ships and the first time they got caught and imprisoned um separated and then the second time they, they made it through and most people died um on the uh, once they got here a lot of people uh died on the way the first person that died actually was the um the pastor i forgot his name right off the top of my head but um his wife actually was the first one to die on the actual trip so uh-huh. yeah it's um it would make one hell of a movie if uh if hollywood <laughs> yeah. would actually make it Oh, God, if they made it today, it would be these horrible white supremacists coming off the boat with machine guns. I mean, that's the thing. It's you know, People don't realize, well, first off, that's the way of the world back then. You conquered, blah, blah, blah. So I'm not saying that they did that, but let's just put that out there that that was the way of the world. That's what the Native Americans were doing here as well. It was just the way things were done. Um, but it's so... I think it's insulting to the natives to say that we stole the land. You always say it, we stole the land, we stole the land. But we came over incredible hardships, disease, it went both ways, winters, 400 years of war, and then the settlers won. So it's people trying to act like we came over here like, oh, look at these engines, and then just started, you know, raping and pillaging. That's not the way history went. And, um, you know, we can argue all day about the faults and you know the bad things that each side did but i think that people don't understand how crazy what they did was but yeah i i i think that people should be a student of history um but they shouldn't let they shouldn't let history stifle progress and innovation and Mm -hmm. to that end people should be judged not based on the actions of those in the past but rather than the character of those um, from today. Yeah. So. Well, also people don't, people in power don't exist in a vacuum. So like you, yeah. you know, like look at, uh, Abraham Lincoln's renown for freeing the slaves. He's wouldn't have freed a single slave if he could have held the union together without doing that. He said that. So it's the complexity at all levels of all these things. It's not just like the founding fathers could come in and go, all right, no slavery, no this. Um, even if they wanted to, um, I'm obviously not in support of slavery, but, um, it's, yeah, I will say though, um, how you brought, what's great about America. And I think what makes it truly the greatest country is because even though it was, it started off rough, just like, cause it, we were doing the things the same way the rest of the world were, um, like the 18 million people in the African and, uh, Middle Eastern slave trade. No one talks about the 6 million that went to Brazil, um, the yeah. conquering we, you know, we were doing all of that, but our structure allowed for us to change drastically quick. And if you look at where we, any other country in a 200 year period, 
what America has done in that period of time to correct some of these issues with following that North Star of individual liberty and, you know, some uh, Judeo-Christian values. Um, like I said at the beginning, the proof's in the pudding. It's, it's hard to argue, argue with the foundation of the country and what they were trying to do. Well, we were forced to change. I mean, and I say we, you know, uh, trying to associate myself with the people that sacrificed far more than I am. Um, but they were, they were forced to change. Um, when you, when you're, when you're, when you're trying to carve out your own place in the world, um, there's a lot that you have to sacrifice a lot that you have to do, and you're going to be fraught with war. Mm -hmm. And and that's not, that's not exclusive to the U S right. That's every country in history. I mean, if you really want to get down to it, you could really like think about countries like Israel. I mean, Mm -hmm. Talk to them about what that's what that's like. Yeah, trying to just exist. Yeah, but for <laughs> yeah. Well, alrighty. Um, so when we were talking about like uh, some stuff that I wanted to go over, um, you sent me a text and you said, "I think it would be a good time to address the supply chain crisis, inflation, housing, and business." Um, I have a list a list of reasons of why too. A lot of things just changed. Um, so I want to start at the supply chain and then we'll work our way through these um, because all of this stuff, like I understand basic supply and demand, but um, it seems like you have some some other theories going on of why the world is the way it is, which is drastically different from when we started. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot going on right now. Yeah. Um, okay, so starting at the supply chains, um, Maybe I should, I should preface this. Okay, so COVID, right? So COVID, COVID happened, right? It was wonderful. Uh, I hate old people. I was coughing on doorknobs. It, it happened. A lot of people treat it like it's still happening. I guess it is, and it sucks. I just got it recently, um, but it's not what it was. Uh, however, COVID was not actually the reason that the financial system broke right Mm -hmm. it was just a convenient excuse um leading up to COVID, i was actually predicting that crash um and it was a result of of inefficiencies in things like the overnight lending market right uh and so to gain some perspective what's the the overnight lending market yeah so so to gain some perspective on that imagine Imagine you have a bank, a big bank, then you have a Fed, you have the Fed, right? Mm-hmm. And you have, well, a series of banks, then you have the Fed. Well, this series of banks typically are going to um, lend money to each other, right? Mm-hmm. And so what happens when they don't trust each other to lend money to each other overnight? Untrustworthy bankers, what? <laughs> yeah, they, they would they would pay it back the next day, right? That's, that's the concept. So they need mm-hmm. to leverage money for one thing or another, and then they... They can move assets to that end, and then they get a whatever interest rate it is, mm-hmm. um, and that's how they, you know, manage their balance sheets to some effect, right? And so, what happens when these banks don't trust each other? They go to the Fed and they ask the Fed, right? Mm-hmm. And so, which runs off our taxpayer dollars, <laughs> yeah, essentially. And so, um, with the idea that the Fed is not susceptible to going down 
right? Because it's the Fed. If the Fed goes down, you know, like everything goes down, mm-hmm. or at least that's the, the thought process. Fingers crossed. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so fast forward to today, I'm not really going to get into COVID. I could go on and on about that. But fast <laughs> forward to today, we are now, we are now doing $2 trillion a night, a night, like a, per day, $2 trillion Damn. is moving. Right. And it's, that's just in markets or just through the government, like just in America, just moving, changing hands. No, like, uh, how do I put it? So banks have, have assets that they use mm-hmm. as collateral, right? Yeah. Right. They get loans so that they can become, uh, they can have the cash, right. Mm-hmm. They need do whatever they need to do. Right. And so, um, imagine a situation where these banks have say all the assets are homes and all the assets are homes in a housing boom. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they buy all these, these homes, right. These banks do. And then they, they, instead of going to each other, they go to the fed for their, their overnight lending. Mm-hmm. Right. Because the banks don't trust each other. And so imagine a situation where that housing bubble pops and these assets that they would then use as collateral at the Fed mm-hmm. that represent $2 trillion of collateral then go to being worthless in terms of their rating. So right? this so seems like, like a problem that wouldn't be created under the free market without a Fed. No, no Just another example of how the government coming in disrupting the free market has a negative effect but continue yeah uh, yeah and get so, us to you know so this is how this affects today the, pardon me i was saying uh, go ahead yeah so this, this is essentially the the larger bubble right that i'm that i'm talking about that that no one wants to talk about it seems except for like a few like hedge fund billionaires mm-hmm. um and imagine a situation where the things that held up the collateral in, in these loans, the the things that allowed these banks to stay solvent, then were worth nothing by the rating agencies, and all these banks decided to try and offload them as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. Now imagine a situation in which instead of having to offload them, they just go to the government. Gotcha. Now, so the question is, can the government sustain sustain that? Is the Fed? immutable i mean can they can they go down i mean they can try and print money they can try and raise taxes they can try and do all sorts of stuff but eventually that's going to collapse yeah so so the thinking is that the fed is so safe it can never go down but i can tell you that five ten years ago we weren't we weren't um we weren't doing doing two trillion dollars in the repo market every day um and so to put that put that into perspective it's like Imagine like during COVID doing like five, 600 billion, you know, mm-hmm. and that wasn't normal. That was like, what the hell's going on? And then it kind of flattened out and then it picked up. And then since then it's been a straight line up and we're at 2 trillion now. Mm-hmm. So, so there's that now, as far as the stock market, like real fast, is it crazy yeah. because COVID masks all this stuff? Um, and I, I've said from the beginning, COVID is a volcano. There's tectonic plates moving underneath. We may not ever know what it is or what they are, but pow- powerful 
things are happening that we can't see. And COVID is just the tip top of the iceberg. Is it crazy to think that not only could it be a happy excuse, but that something like this could be used like and designed to kind of because, you know, the, the U.S. economy has global effects. And I believe that there are global entities. I don't think it's like one giant cabal. I look at it like the world is a city and there's a bunch of powerful gangs and then the governments are the police forces of, you know, different areas. Yeah. Um, is that crazy to th like, I have no doubt in my mind morally that very powerful people would not have an object, you know, an objection to something like that. Um, <clears throat> that might be a little out in left field and conspiratorial, but I mean, it would explain a lot. Well, I can, I can say that, I can say that it is very strange that me and a number of other people were able to predict. Now, it wasn't the virus that anyone predicted, but it was the the impact of the virus in financial markets that people and myself predicted um, uh, leading up to COVID. And when I say predicted, I don't mean like a year out or something. I mean like 30 days prior to it, it hitting um was was when i when i thought it would happen um uh, excuse me i was a little early but um things things like that like that's too big of a coincidence right yeah. so clearly something's going on there i just yeah well just, it's also interesting the low death rate of covid like i'm you know a lot of people died but it kind of just replaced the flu um and a lot of people thought oh well maybe they, they wanted a big vaccine that would cull a bunch of the population and it just yeah. failed. Well, maybe they intentionally didn't want a really bad virus because they were it, actually, actually it was just a smoke screen. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, we could guess about that all day, but yeah, that's, that's super, that's super fishy, but anyway, okay. Yeah, so on to the, the stock market. Yeah. So the stock market is, is, extremely frothy right now. You have the S&P 500 hitting a 4.236 Fibonacci extension, which is for all intents and purposes, most people can consider that, you know, the top or extremely near the top. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and then you have the Dow Jones that's just shy of it. Uh, you have, you have, you have the Bitcoin um, total market cap chart reaching a 4.236 Fib extension. You have, Everything is is way 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 up there. Now and the fibs that's um, that's charts, right? That you I know hey. uh, the people call you the Fibonacci. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, um, never gotten called that yet, but maybe if I'm <laughs> right about what I'm predicting this go around, people will. Mm -hmm. But uh, but now so so going back to COVID. So during COVID, everyone all these so services stopped, right? But but people selling products, um, their demand went through the roof because everyone's at home buying everything on Amazon and crap, mm. toilet paper and, and who knows what. Yeah. And so Sex and so these companies, yeah, so these companies saw these numbers with all this demand and they're like, holy crap, we need to order, you know, far more. On top of that, you have to, like the global supply chain screeching to a halt because of this virus. Um, and I'm not saying that it shouldn't have per se. I'm not saying that it should have either, um, but it, it has had bad unintended or maybe intended consequences. So these same companies that saw this demand since then ordered a massive amount of inventory. 
like three, four times what they would typically order from, you know, their distributors overseas and whatnot, mm-hmm. um, or the manufacturers overseas. And so, and so with the supply chain shortage, you had all these freight containers shooting up in price. Um, <clears throat> and so I've been watching it play out and, and, and with the inevitable, inevitable conclusion that we would end up where we are today. Um, and that is what I really wanted to address. It's the fact that when you go into Walmart today, right, and you see an enormous am- of amount of stock sitting in between the aisles, it's not because they're just restocking shelves and they're trying a new system. It's because they order three and four times what they were supposed to order because they anticipated demand to be at COVID levels, right? Mm-hmm. It's not. It's falling off. The consumer's getting squeezed everywhere they turn. Mm-hmm. Um, and housing is starting to turn over, and all these things are turning over at the same time. And so what's going to happen is these these big box stores aren't going to be able to afford to house their inventory in, in their warehouses anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. So they're going to shove it all in their in their stores and then they're going to put on massive sales. And after they put on these massive sales, everyone's getting laid off. OK, everyone, because they're going to miss all their targets. So with the supply chain right now, why aren't they already using a bunch of inventory? Like what's keeping them? Um, or are they just try enjoying the price hike right now? What's what's keeping them from the sales? Like what's from- keeping them if they have a bunch of built up inventory right now? There's a supply chain shortage. Um, why not just start flooding the shelves? To, like basically using your reserves. Um, is it just because they're enjoying the price hikes? I think that. So when you're in a corporate structure, which all of these places are, uh, you have this this bottleneck of decision making, right? So you have like you'll have the CEO or the board or you know however it's structured. Um, making making impossible decisions at a very high level. But once you get further down in there, there becomes a whole lot of bureaucracy and politics and so on. You know, some, not, not, not unlike the Marine Corps or the military at large, where you have, you have this extreme bottleneck of decision-making. And so mo- most people, like if you talk to most realtors right now, they won't recognize that there's a slowdown or a turnover in real estate. But the fact of the matter is three months ago in certain markets uh, like Austin, Texas, if, if you held an open house, you would have got, you know, 20, 30 people and you would have gotten at least 10 offers mm-hmm. that week. Um, whereas when I just showed my house recently, I just I'm, I'm in the process of selling my house. It's under contract right now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we ended up getting one offer. Now, we were trying to target investors. And so we got an investor for, you know, you know, our reasons. But. But um, it, the market's definitely changing, and it's not changing nationally. It's changing in, in local markets. And so, to answer, to answer your question, is is there's too many people trying to attempt to make decisions, um, and no one's actually doing it efficiently or effectively. They're expecting the market to keep going up because that's what it's been doing. Just like realtors expect real estate to keep going up, mm-hmm. and everyone in stocks expects it to keep going up. But these people don't realize that that these effects from COVID have actually caught up with us. And uh, as people have predicted that they would and everyone just, you know, ignored. It's really not, it's not even like a hard economic, you know, concept to understand. It's, it's literally supply and demand. Mm -hmm. Um, 
<clears throat> and then and then scarcity in terms of the of, of the consumer and their and their resources. Right. Does this so, affect crypto as well, by the way? Because I yeah. might as well just lump this into crypto. Um, and I was going to ask you, what the fuck is going on with crypto? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, crypto has been something. It's been something. Um, so I'm going to lay it out like this, right? Mm-hmm. So real estate's turning over right now. It's in the process of changing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, stocks are not yet not all of them are yet done but you have certain ones like netflix that have already popped their bubbles mm-hmm. like going down 70 plus percent right which is what i expect the broader market to do in the next 12 months mm-hmm. um however nothing goes down in a straight line and so what we've seen is this sell-off in stocks coming out of this this broadening this broadening wedge pattern um but what you'll often see is is you'll come out of this broadening wedge pattern and then you'll basically imagine like an alligator mouth, right? Just kind Mm -hmm. of like, like that. Imagine an alligator mouth Mm -hmm. on a chart breaking down out of that alligator mouth. um, And then everyone thinks that the world is going to be over and then it just sits down there for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, The same thing is true with crypto as you've been watching. Mm -hmm. And so, (laughs) but nothing, nothing goes down in a straight line. And so there's, there's two kind of camps to be in right now. One camp is you expect that the euro, um, uh, that that rather the you expect that the dollar, the U.S. the U.S. or the um, the U.S. dollar to to keep keep rising, mm-hmm. right? And the other one you expect it to fall, right? Now the reason the that's value? important. Is, what do you mean by rise and fall? Uh, so. In term in terms of its value, uh, comparatively gotcha. to a basket of currencies. Gotcha. So take take the yen and, and the yuan and the and the ruble and and so on. Gotcha. And compare the dollar to them. Um, and if the dollar is rising against uh, those currencies, then you have a strong dollar. Now, a strong mm-hmm. dollar is bad for markets because strong dollar means markets go down, mm-hmm. right? A weak dollar means markets go up, right? Mm-hmm. And so to that end. One of the indicators that you can watch is actually the euro, which is just like crypto and stocks and housing, inversely correlated to the U.S. dollar or that that chart. So, so as the euro starts doing something, you know that the U.S. it's going to affect the U.S. dollar. Yeah, and then it's going to affect you know broader broader markets at large. So um, the two camps you can be in is that you expect. You expect um, the euro to keep falling, right, and break through mm-hmm. its its support. You expect the dollar to keep rising and go into new all time highs, not all time highs, but go into going to new local highs, mm-hmm. depending on what time frame you're looking at. Um, you expect crypto to keep falling. You expect stocks to keep falling, and we're essentially entering the Great Depression or the Greater Depression, as I'm calling it. And <laughs> the Greater Depression. Yeah, yeah but you hear you heard it here, folks. Uh, the greater depression, not, not that it's a good thing or anything, but, um, <laughs> position yourself wisely and consult your own financial advisor. I am not a financial advisor and this is not financial advice. It was <laughs> <laughs> like that way. I don't get any angry yeah. comments. And, oh, God damn it. Doge was supposed to go to the moon. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, so, the, so yeah, so that's one camp you expect basically the world to burn 
right now. And you expect that probably because it's been burning for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I position myself in the other camp in that we've had we've had no retracement in Bitcoin since it's all time high. Um, on top of that, we've had, you know, the structure that I've been looking for, um, the broadening wedge formation with an ABC correction at the end with ways of equal length. Um, and so everything looks good there as long as we hold our support. Um, and then we can recover and it's been recovering, but, uh, it kind of lost its steam lately. Now crypto has just been going sideways and driving everyone nuts. <laughs> so yeah. I guess that's what, yeah. what happens when you get unregulated fake money. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, <clears throat> that's, that's like a whole different, you're going to get some big pointers real mad at you. About that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, well, I'm uh, curious about NFTs too. That's um, I talked to a guy about those, and apparently those are just the wild west as well. So yeah, I wouldn't, yeah. try that. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, I don't want to get too down in the weeds on that. Maybe one day we can. Uh, I'd like to actually have you on to share your screen and show like how you read charts and stuff like that because it's still. Um, I know the basics of it, and then immediately when you start using big words oh, like technical terms yeah yeah, yeah i'm like community be confusing yeah yeah well basically the the other team the other camp essentially thinks that we're at the bottom mm-hmm. um, one's glass one's a uh, glass half full one's glass half empty yeah yeah <laughs> for all the so, dum-dums like me out yeah. there um in a previous episode i went the entire time pretending like i knew what bio life or uh, not bio life um biomass was <laughs> guy was talking about forest fires that was super embarrassing so i've just accepted the fact it's better just to get it right up and in, in front that i'm an idiot than wait all the way till the end and then start talking when i have no idea what i'm talking about um everyone's an expert in their own wheelhouse yeah in the ever-changing world of 2022 issues of gender equality are becoming more and more important Despite this, entire industries are still leaving out our treasure trans allies. The undergarment industry is one of the biggest offenders. How is a transgender woman supposed to feel beautiful and sexy in panties that are designed for society's outdated version of a woman? The answer is they aren't. Well, my advice to transgender women out there is to tuck and roll over to TransMe Undies. TransMe Undies have a convenient, sturdy pouch that runs along the perineum to conceal that big ol' ugly cock that God cursed you with. TransMe is effective and comfortable. And so effective and comfortable that over 30% of women who use it forgo lopping off their massive dong via gender reassignment surgery, saving thousands of dollars and a whole lot of discomfort. With over 100 styles and a variety of sizes ranging from Pan-Asian to Sub-Saharan, TransMe is a daily decision that will make you feel like your sexy self while giving the finger to those outdated gender definitions that say a lady can't have a good old hairy ball bag in her pretty little panties. Shug off society standards and get into some trans me undies today with the 14 months po- apart podcast exclusive promo code tuck and roll for 15% off. All right. Um, so we're going to move on from that. Yep. Um, so I'm going to play devil's advocate here because I want to talk about guns a little bit because you obviously Marine, you worked on the rifle range, um, teaching pistol and rifle towards the end of your military career. And now you own a self-defense company. Um, so why, when we know guns are killing people, are guns legal? Um, the founders didn't have assault rifles. Furthermore, why do people need 30 rounds or handguns to hunt deer? <laughs> okay. As we've seen, um, um, you know, Joey B just recently said, 
Hey, come on, man. What, what, what do you need a Kevlar vest to, to hunt deer, man? So, yeah. uh, you know, excellent points from our esteemed president. Um, man, that is. So, so the argument, the argument is that most of the time I hear the argument that that back when the Second Amendment was written and thought of and 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 so on. First of all, they didn't contemplate the future. Mm-hmm. Um, second of all, they didn't factor in the fact that their weapons were on were the cutting edge of weaponry at the time, or if not the cutting edge, somewhere close to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was it was normal what they were using, and and it was it wasn't like things weren't advancing then. It wasn't like yeah. they didn't come from anything. Well, muskets just, were the elitist uh, weapon of war. Yeah. Like, and and so, uh, yeah, perhaps they hunted with them, but that that doesn't mean that that's exclusively what what they're for. Um, now, that's just addressing the guns. Addressing the Second Amendment, the Second Amendment has absolutely nothing to do with hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't even have anything to do with personal protection, right? It has to do with with protecting the country at large. Um, and, and not so much the nation state as you would, mm-hmm. as you would imagine a country being like not the United States, mm-hmm. but rather protecting, um, its citizenry from tyranny. Right. But the government uh, has F-18s. <clears throat> yep. And, uh, we still lost Afghanistan with them. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can go that argument. I'd also go, I tell people, yeah, and we should have F-18s. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm a huge supporter of, I'm very angry at um, spe- super um, like gun nut people and, you know, people who are like, fuck the government, organize and make well-regulated militias. I don't understand. If I had the time, I'd do it here and I could get enough people together. I don't know why we don't have more well-regulated militias that have 240s, 50 cals, Mark 19s, um, air capabilities, a couple of helos, like... We've kind of just given that role to the National Guard, but that's no. We need well-regulated militias. Um, I, I don't know, but yeah, I like that you pointed out that it's not for hunting. That's why I threw that out there because the president keeps saying it. It's not for hunting. It's not for self-defense. Well, in a way, it is. It's for self-defense against tyranny, because the government. This is. Um, yeah. Now I'll I'll wait to go into that. I don't want to talk about police right now and the militarization <laughs> of police. Because um, I was gonna say, and when I was talking to Cox um, in the last episode, we talked about how the government, when they're militarizing the police, like they have been doing, and probably they're not gonna roll it back. Obviously, well, the nation or the state, the military is there for enemies of the state. When you militarize the police, who are peace officers supposed to serve and protect, now, by default, the people become the enemy. So, and you always have that potential. That's why the Second Amendment is there, so that you can, if you become the enemy of the state, you're not left with your dick in your hand. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess that's one way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and it's and it's not just, it's not just, um, you know, a right, but it's a responsibility to, uh, to do, to make that sacrifice that, that, you know, those that came before us did make in order to establish the lifestyle that we're able to enjoy now. 
um, we've just we've just become people without resolve and, and we've lost that. Hard times breed hard men. Hard men breed soft times. Soft times breed soft men. Soft men breed hard times. And right now we're in a period with soft men and soft times and hard times are a coming. <laughs> Oh, they, they are a comment. That's why I see people that talk about civil war and this and that. I'm like, you guys have no idea what actual, like it would, especially I hate, I cannot stand. Um, I get it a little bit more when it's like veterans who've deployed talking about it kind of tongue in cheek, but when it's people who haven't deployed and especially boomers who have sat on their ass and done nothing to help this country for, you know, 60 years they start talking about civil war and yeah, we should just blah, blah, blah. Like you have no idea. That breaks my heart thinking about an American civil war and what that truly looks like. Uh, People, people have no clue what kind of, what kind of things would ensue, how their, how their daily life would change. Yeah. You know? Well, I I think right now I always talk about if you had like a civil war style uprising, if you cut off food, like let's say in Phoenix, Phoenix is like, we're seceding from the union. If you shut off Wi-Fi to Phoenix, 50% of the people would drop out. (laughs) Like we, and that's where it's like, I wish, I like thinking of making well-regulated militias, people getting involved in local government. We can, well, at least in my opinion, peacefully turn this boat around. It's not quite to the paradigm shift where we're, we're going over the edge yet, but I don't think that'll happen. I think that it will have to get to the point where it's so bad where our grandkids or their kids will be fighting. I do think that that's probably going to happen, just not in our generation. I don't think so. I think that if, if something like that happens, it happens something like 100 years from now. And, mm-hmm. and here's, here's my, my reasoning. Um, well, I guess you already kind of stated it with, with your, your hard times quote. Um, right now we're living in some of the most frothy times economically we are living in the most frothy times economically for the vast majority of citizens in the world and uh more specifically in our own nation the richest country on the planet mm-hmm. right things things have never been better i know everyone everyone <laughs> in the country back like everything's so damn bad right now. things are so good right now after the gym today i went to the store because i had to get a few things and i sat in the ice cream aisle for five minutes, just looking, <laughs> battling with my fat ass, whether I should get ice cream or not. Like that is yeah. a problem that people even 50 years ago couldn't comprehend. Like, yeah. well, maybe not 50 years ago, but a hundred years ago, that would just blow people's mind that that's the type of difficulties we're going through right now. We have such excess. It's incredible. Yeah. I mean, so it, I mean, it's a great thing, but it definitely comes with its drawbacks. Yeah. So, so to that end, you know, um, what I expect is is for the economy to kind of straighten itself out or uh, and turn over and do exactly the opposite thing. Right. And mm-hmm. so instead of making that that decision about ice cream in the store, you're going to be just finding a way to source food mm-hmm. in general. Right. Yeah. Um, because all these all these jobs that were once here and all this all of this um, innovation that's here now is, is going to be gone. And, uh, and people aren't, people aren't prepared for that. And then if you think about how that will look in America, right. Um, anyone that's living this first world lifestyle and having to 
argue about the things that are popular to argue about now uh, has never lived through anything that that requires enough mental capacity um, to justify the worry mm-hmm. right so um <clears throat> So I, I, I expect I would expect that the culture war will actually switch in favor of a more conservative uh, worldview, uh, and I mean that at, at large, you know, globally and nationally. Um, and I'm expecting some pretty powerful world leaders to step in in the, in, in the wake of that cultural change. Um, now well, that you're going to have important. some people who go that route, but you're also going to have a lot of people, as we saw with COVID where they desperately cling to the nanny state. And the thing is, though, with this one, they won't be able to because the government is in this peculiar um, uh, uh, position where where you have you have all of politics that's that are going to be shifting to being conservative. You have balance sheets that have run wild. You have all this stuff going on with the U.S. dollar and inflation and so on. So this mm-hmm. this time, there's not going to be a bailout, but no one's saving anyone. It's going to be a real crash, and and people are going to have to innovate their way out. And that's the only way to do it. Yeah, that's going to be it's going to be crazy. But it would be good to have a gun when that happens. Uh, if nothing yeah. else, you can always go shopping at your neighbor's house in that situation. Yeah. Um, that being said, we offer free firearms training. Like that's no if ands or buts completely free firearms training we actually partnered with the united states concealed carry association really? um yeah yeah and so mm-hmm. for for everyone that we bring to the class we actually make more money without bringing those bringing any costs onto the consumer hell yeah um, i'll add in all your uh plugs but right now while we're on the topic what um where can people find you you have a website social media yeah, so if you check us out on uh, legionofliberty.net um, and Legion of Liberty LLC on Facebook, um, uh, those are probably the best places to get a hold of us right now. We're currently restructuring uh, to be able to offer all of our services for free. Um, I am a one-man show currently. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, my girlfriend and I uh, run it, and um, I'm doing a lot of selling my house and all that. This is uh, north north of Austin, right? That's kind of where you're located. Uh, just east of Austin, actually, just east. in right. Maine or Texas, yeah. Um, so yeah, we're we're just trying to help the help the community out here and and build uh, a closer, tighter, more capable, more prepared community to deal with whatever may come, and then that helps us network and and you know find people that can help us as well. Hell yeah! Well, that's that's going to be super important, especially considering the rise in firearm sales because. Obviously, I'm very pro-gun, um, but I'm also very pro-responsible gun ownership. Um, I think that that's a very important part that people don't talk about. Um, yeah. Actually, there's a guy at work right now. He's, uh, I believe he just turned 61 or something. I don't know. He's old as shit. Well, once they get gray hair, I quit caring um, about the specific <laughs> age. But um, he he wants to buy an AR because he just has a Mossberg shotgun and a 38 Special. Um, so he's been hitting me up a lot. And uh, it's interesting hearing like these people who they've kind of had a gun or never had a gun, never really thought about it. They're genuinely scared of concern now and not they not only want to have a firearm, but they want to know how to use it. <laughs> and uh, that's good. Yeah, yeah it's about time. I agree. Um, guns might get harder to get, though, which leads me to my next question real fast. And then we can move on to another topic. Um, 
what do you foresee yeah. in the next 50 years regarding gun laws? Because the, I, the left is not going to quit pushing to take guns, and the right, they're a bunch of spineless cowards, so they're going to do whatever's politically convenient. Even the young blood, like, uh, um, uh, what's what's the guy who was a SEAL? Um, Crenshaw. Even he's, you know, talking about red flag laws and stuff like that. So I have zero faith that the the right's going to hold their hold their stance and do, you know, when we live in this two-party system, the left's pushing one way to maintain balance and the structure, the right needs to be pushing the other way and they're not doing that. So I definitely don't see see them supporting it. But what how how do you see the next 50 years as far as guns and what the next maybe couple steps are as far as what they're going to try and crank down on? Well, I mean, again with 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 everything in my life, I follow God and I follow the money, right? And and they're not related, right? So uh, I don't worship money, but the money will definitely tell you a story. Well, a lot of people use, uh, you know, small g God to make quite a bit of money, but separate yeah, thing. Um, I call it big uh, church. <laughs> it, it big is, pharma. Yeah, probably that too. In a, in a 50 year time window, I mean, that's a long time, right? Things can, things well, can really cut it down. I'm just thinking like, in our lifetime future. Yeah. So I would say in about 15 years, maybe, maybe 20 at the most, but probably closer to 10 to 15, I think culture is going to completely flip on its head. And I think that, I think that to be conservative will then become the cool thing. I know that sounds crazy, right? But not necessarily. You're kind of already seeing it in uh, young people in high school these days. Yeah. Yeah. And not only that, but young people are having to to innovate their ways into in, in making money. You notice that not everyone's believing in that system of just going to college anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. They're they're creating their own businesses They're And sometimes it's probably not in the best ways, but they're 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 innovating themselves. And that's not a well, we are in a creator's economy and there's this new boom. So this young generation is yeah. coming up. It's kind of weird because I I go back and forth between is social media good or bad. And one good thing about it is that it kind of is incidentally this idea that anybody could become famous overnight, which has famous become currency in our culture. It's kind of reinstituted uh, entrepreneurial spirit in young people and kind of sort of I talked to Zach about this, like with the Capital Riot people and Antifa and, you know, whoever they are in our generation, maybe misguided, maybe pussies, maybe whatever, maybe idiots, but we're starting to see people of action again and maybe misguided action. But that is one of the few things that gives me hope about the future. Yeah. So, so, so to that end, I'm expecting this crash to create a whole lot of conservatives um, because you have to, you have to, at that point, there's no one to save you. You have to change your mentality. You're thinking. And so with that, expecting the guns to follow. I think that that gun sales, gun laws, are going to go up in the years to come, and I think that it'll it'll be the th- responsible gun ownership um, will be uh, commonplace, uh, and more commonplace culturally is you yeah. Know, probably so. so you th- so what so the politicians are not going to quit fighting to take guns, but if the culture no. starts to get more pro-gun, where is how does that friction balance out is there going to be a point where there's some violence where there's kind of a uh 
maybe how you're talking about the maybe that becomes that line in the sand where people start to shift politically um because i i just know that they're going to keep coming after guns dogmatically as long as it's you know politically convenient and there's going to be a lot of people you may have massive culture shifts but you're still going to have a very big it's they're just going to have the left's base is going to get more and more anti-gun at least in the little ways, they don't. They're never going to just come out and ban certain guns. Not in my opinion. They're going to just slowly creep that line forward, like frogs in a pot. So, do you think at some point they're going to stop that, and then we're going to be able to roll that back? And if so, is that peacefully? Is that violently? Are cops going to just stop enforcing gun laws because hundreds of them are getting killed a day, trying to take them? Like how how do you see that actually that that moment where it shifts going. Yeah. That friction. Yeah. Um, well, one thing I know just being a student of history, we've, we've seen what it, what happens when the right goes too far. Right. Mm-hmm. And you get like world war two. Um, however, we haven't seen what happens when the left goes too far. Now I personally think that they actually, that they have. Um, and so, but I also think that this, we are at the extreme end of it. And so when things snap back and you're, and you're trying to figure out where that point of friction is going to occur, the point of friction, I don't think is going to occur violently. I think it's going to be a natural progression, just like, you know, most instances throughout history. Mm-hmm. Now, I could be wrong. Things could progress from here. And the way I see them progressing is kind of like a, a reverse situation in World War II, where instead of you know Jews, minorities, and disabled people being the, the the persecuted ones, it would be it would be white people and those with the conservative values. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't I don't really see that going down. You're any black. Further. You can get me on the. Uh, can I can I be your slave? Uh, I I can be in your house and serve you, and I can I can at least kind of uh, carve my I can innovate myself a nice little life if that happens. I'll uh no comment. <laughs> I, I think I'll I'll pass on I'll pass on let's use carb a pain in the ass to house yeah. it. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, <laughs> sorry to mean to interrupt the whole flow. I'm you're I'm good, sort of good. lightheaded. I gave uh plasma earlier, so I was oh, yeah. I'm just like whoa <laughs> but uh, plus I don't uh, drink anymore, so when I'm lightheaded it's not just my baseline anymore. <laughs> No, I get it, man. I used to I used to donate plasma like every every week just to pay for food when I moved to Austin. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, but no, no, so just just answer me this: Imagine you're a father of a family like I am. I have three kids now, two dogs, um, a spouse, and and I just got laid off, right? Door mm-hmm. uh, shelves. The last six months were on this massive sale but no one had any money to buy anything so they dropped prices so low that now everything's gone they under ordered because they over ordered and they're afraid of doing that again the bureaucracy can't keep up right Mm -hmm. and so and so now there's there's no food on the shelves right no one has any sense of community your savings are gone because you put it all in the stock market the stock market bubble popped anything else that your kids had in crypto is gone Right. Because Mm -hmm. crypto follows stocks. Right. Um, The dollar 
uh, is now rising. And, and asset prices are going down. Your home doesn't even have any equity in it. Now, you know that uh, just through your friends and so on losing their homes, that there's going to be a lot of violence and crime going on. Mm-hmm. So would you err on the side of being pro-gun or anti-gun in that situation? I'd be pro-gun. And as we've seen with the riots over the last few years, when people get scared, they get very pro-gun. Yeah. But what people haven't seen is these riots, these riots existed in a frothy economy, a good, easy-to-make-money type of economy. And they're yeah. burning down cities. Imagine what happens when those when same the people are hungry. Yeah. Imagine when electricity goes out, not because the companies can't sustain it, but because people just can't pay their bills. Mm-hmm. And if they can't pay their electricity bills, they're not paying their water bills. They're not buying food. They can't pay for gas. Mm-hmm. It's going to get bad. Well, I hope that it, I hope it gets this sounds counterintuitive, but I hope it gets bad, really bad, really fast, because I think if it doesn't. What worries me is that we just slowly roll into an authoritarian 1984 sort of situation where people just are sort of absorbed and slowly just become part of the collective. Now, if it happens quick and fast, it shocks people awake. So, you know, there's a lot of things that could cause that. But, um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very weird. I wish that people would just wake up now, but you can scream till your, your ears bleed and no one's going to. But... Um, Alrighty, um, we'll kind of get off of that topic because my next question you already answered. Um, are there any conspiracy theories that you believe in? <laughs> yeah, so um, hmm. there's, a, there's a couple, I would say. I am a member of the XRP community. And so That's if, crypto, anyone else, right? if anyone else is, then they completely understand where I'm going with this. Um, uh, and I do subscribe to some of the theories. Basically, that uh, one of the theories is that XRP is technologically a a very superior type of asset, mm-hmm. um, and and the, and many people in the world know that the global banking system is going to go bust one day, right? Because it's it's unsustainable, and we're mm-hmm. in our larger currency cycle. It switches about every hundred years or so. The last time it moved to the dollar, right? We came off the gold standard and now, you know, we have dollar dominance, fiat money. And so we're now at the point where we have to switch again. Um, And I can prove that on charts and just bore everyone to death. But Mm -hmm. uh, there'd be two nerds out there just like, dude, show the charts, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. There's someone out there. This guy's a fraud. (laughs) Yeah. No, sorry. Uh, yeah, but yeah, essentially we have to switch again. And what what typically happens is, you know, you'll have one currency um, attached to a nation state that's dominant because that nation state is just, uh, for whatever reason, you know, superior economically or militarily, you know, whatever the reason is, mm-hmm. um, to others. And so they have to trust that one in order to for for global trade to exist. And so uh, right now you have you have um, <clears throat> the IMF that ha- has a basket of currencies at their disposal to be able to bail out nation states, you know, mm-hmm. when they want to or need to, Well, they don't have enough to be able to do it, this go around. So what they're going to have to do is return to a gold standard or 
each nation state that wants to participate in the new system is going to have to return to a gold standard. And then not only that, but they need a new asset to be able to to move that value in because it's not you like think you're gonna XRP send is going to be that new asset. Yeah. So yeah, XRP that is would send be that. it skyrocketing price wise, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like, I think XRP is going to be that that asset that provides liquidity to be able to bail out the world, essentially. Right. Well, that's a good conspiracy if that happens. I also believe in the pyramids one. Okay, so yeah. yeah, Zach, by the way, Zach couldn't be here today. Um, he had a long weekend in California. Um, yeah. May or may not have gotten very drunk. And who knows, some nose beers may have taken place. I have no idea. I'm just a man. I can't be everywhere at once. But um, he did tell me that you have you have some interesting thoughts on the pyramids. <laughs> so I'm curious yeah, so, about this, Mr. Lazar. I mean, so, Jubilee. So <laughs> <laughs> imagine... So let me, let me preface this by saying quartz, the material, uh, uh, generates an electric field when Actually, it's Can you hold on correct. two seconds? Yeah. I'll be right back. All right. We can continue. I just needed to be safe. Very good. Um, uh, so, so let me preface this by saying that quartz, the material, uh, like the rock, Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, when when you have a high concentration of um, of of quartz crystals in in granite um, and it's compressed, right, due to some kind of turbulent force, it actually generates an electromagnetic field, right. And mm-hmm. so, what you have in in Giza is the Great Pyramid, which is built with um, a lot of that material, uh, which specifically is is higher in content than than other types, <laughs> and, and so I like I didn't even I didn't even catch that. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're seeing uh, me through the shitty camera. <laughs> yeah. Every time we start talking about conspiracies, I just have to throw it on real fast. <laughs> uh, so anyway, yeah. So so when so it generates an electromagnetic field. And then you have um, sandstone, which, which is actually a insulator, um, yeah, for electricity. And then you have the top of the pyramid, which is made of, which was at one point, or it's speculated that it was made out of gold, or at least gold plated, right? Which is, conducts very well. I do know that. Yeah, and so, and so what you have is, you have a series of chambers going through the Great Pyramid, and you have you have um, this causeway or it has different names, but a, an area which, which creates turbulence, right? Mm-hmm. And, and now I may be wrong and other people may be wrong and it may not have been on purpose that it creates turbulence, but it just so happens. By turbulence, that, what do you mean? Like energy? Yeah, so you have uh, essentially, yeah, just, just energy moving through a medium um, mm-hmm. violently and perhaps not unpredictable perhaps not unpredictably but imagine um imagine when someone hits a vape pen mm-hmm. or smokes a cigarette and you can see the air leave their mouth and how it doesn't appear to be in any specific direction mm-hmm. um, very it's very turbulent right mm-hmm. um and so 
that's that's essentially what happens in a, in a compressed environment within the within the Great Pyramid, or or what we're speculating happened within the Great Pyramid. And so you had different places in the Great Pyramid where you had chemical reactions, um, and uh, and those chemical reactions created a turbulent atmosphere. That turbulent atmosphere compressed um, repeatedly uh, the quartz crystal, thus generating an electric an electromagnetic field, which was then funneled up through the pyramid, right? Um, and into the capstone, uh, creating um, essentially a magnetic field around the Great Pyramid. And so uh, with this theory, the Great Pyramid would have actually glowed blue at night um, and uh, would have would have generated electricity. Like that, its purpose would have been to generate electricity. But then how do they move the electricity just playing devil's advocate, how would they um, use the electricity? Yeah, so there's actually been been legitimate batteries, ancient batteries found in in, in Egypt. Really? Yeah, <laughs> so you have, so you have, yeah, no, you're like, what, really? <laughs> yeah, uh, I bet they're, yeah. if it's like old cell phones, I bet that their TV remotes were huge. <laughs> yeah, not like that kind of battery, but imagine like a clay pot, right, yeah. with an iron cylinder, mm-hmm. um, uh, on the inside, right, mm-hmm. uh, of a pot full of acid, right, and then you have a copper core, or that could have been the other way around, I can't remember, um, and then you have an iron rod that sticks out the top of it, mm-hmm. right, and, and I mean, that is, by definition, a battery. Yeah. All it has to do is rotate. So... Well, for one, are they just too worn down now? Is that why they don't, that wouldn't happen? And two, why, like, if this happened, why isn't there more evidence of, like, why Why don't we know that they were using electricity back then? Well, uh, there's, there's hieroglyphs where it actually uh, talks about them using it. It's just a matter of how you interpret uh, uh, the glyphs. Um on top of that, I am also in the camp of believing that the Great Pyramid and the pyramids at large are far older um, than what anyone's speculating that they are. And mm-hmm. and this is this is something I believe in even more because uh, the scientific community at large has already disproven the, the timelines that Egyptologists like to uh, put forth. Um, so maybe the the Egyptians aren't even the ones who were using them per se. And we, uh, maybe there's a whole nother lost civilization that was using them. Well, that that's another thing. I do believe in the lost city of Atlantis or more like the last, mm-hmm. the lost, uh, the lost civilization of Atlantis rather, because mm-hmm. I think it was in my opinion. It was a sea bearing civilization that mostly lived, lived on the coasts. Um, in the Mediterranean and then in, uh, off the coast of Africa. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, real fast, I, yeah. you know, what, however much of this is true or not true, or if it's all crazy, anyone out there who's, you know, immediately writing this off. Um, I think I will say, I don't, I haven't looked into this enough to where I would say, Oh yeah, that, that's possible. I need to do a lot more research on this, but there is always, I feel like a grain of truth at the very least to any sort of, myth or legend it, it usually doesn't just spontaneously um, come into existence so you know maybe it gets wildly overblown but um, 
Uh, like I'm, I'm still with you here. I'm not, uh, I'm not putting on my tinfoil hat again just yet. <laughs> well, well, uh, the the ancient Egyptians actually wrote about uh, their lineage and where they came from, mm-hmm. and they came from exactly what they described to be Atlantis. How do you write Atlantis in Egyptian? Is it turtle, grasshopper, sheep? <laughs> well, no, not <laughs> like kidding. literally the word. Um, but they described them, their, their civilization is coming from a more advanced, uh, seabaring civilization that existed prior to their, their reign. And then they have their entire King's list written out, uh, which is essentially the, the, the history of power in, in ancient Egypt. Now, the majority of that King's list is written off as being false by modern historians because it doesn't fit in line with their timeline of evolution mm. or after um, because in order to do that, then, I mean, you would have to rewrite history in almost every respect. Um, you'd also, you all, you would also have to seriously consider the Bible as being historically accurate outside of the times in which it's already been proven to be a historical, historically accurate. And so personally, I do believe that, um, a global flood did occur. And I, I think that the, um, the sadly some of the pyramids were were there actually prior to that flood and, and the reason that you don't see the pyramids doing what they're doing anymore is one because you know there's no one there's no one doing any of these chemical reactions that it occurred before mm-hmm. two the nile river isn't under the great pyramid anymore um and that water running against i guess another turbulent force running against that um that granite compressing that that quartz and generating magnetic field in order to generate these processes isn't occurring anymore so you wouldn't see it um but this the sheer yeah just just the specifications being so so accurate um with respect to the great pyramid is just if you really do your research on it it is amazing how much that they were able to do that we still can't duplicate now. And there's no evidence for them creating it with, with bronze saws or anything. That's what I was going to say is this is interesting because I've never heard this angle and you hear a lot about aliens helping them build it because the Egyptians couldn't have built them. But then it's like, well, if it wasn't the Egyptians, they're actually built by someone else. Maybe not aliens. That's one of those things where there could be a grain of truth there. And some people blow it up to aliens, but it's actually a much older civilization. That's I'm, I can already tell. I don't want to get bogged down here because I could talk about this, this like all night. Sh- yeah, this is gonna. I'm gonna have to have you on, and we're gonna have to talk about conspiracies strictly because yeah. this is this is fascinating. I want to know more about this um, real fast. I'll I'll get to my final question because uh, we've been going about a little over an hour here. Um, yeah. Alrighty. Uh, so this question is going to be a, a bit politically charged, but we've kind of already gotten into politics more than I intended, so I don't think it'll be a problem. Um, so you're a black male who also resides slightly on the spectrum, Asperger's, you said. Um, in, lieu of, in lieu of this, you've achieved an immense amount of success compared to the rest of your family. Um, I don't know all the details on that, just um, so I know that you're, you're kind of going against the grain with um, some of your, your family members. Um, don't want to speak ill of anyone. Um, you're an infantry Marine who was honorably discharged. Now you have a successful small business. Um, you're also, you know, in the investing in your home. 
Um, what message would you have for people out there who have been told they cannot succeed without the government cupping their balls because they're a victim due to immutable characteristics? Because we bullshit. have such a... You say bullshit to that? Yeah, it's bullshit. It is. Yeah, I think um, I'm going to talk to somebody later this week um, who's a Hispanic woman from Mexico, super abusive family. Um, I look at... It's because, you know, I we can talk talk about the way I grew up, the way my parents grew up, all that. But nobody cares just because I'm white. But I see people like you, people like her. And uh, I just I don't see how you can still say that people can't succeed based off of their skin color or who they fuck or X, Y and Z. That it just doesn't add up that way. It seems it seems to me like it's more of a cultural thing and less of a racial thing. And that the powers that be want us focused on race as opposed to what, you know, culture. Yeah. Um, hmm. So the way I see it, and I, I could go on and on about like my own struggles or, or whatever, but the, the way I see it is, is you know, the way I treat my own life and my own family and everything is I may, I imagine myself in a much in much worse circumstances so imagine Mm -hmm. i imagine myself as an immigrant in you know some war-torn country in africa right Mm -hmm. or in the middle east or you know wherever it's going on right now Mm -hmm. and i don't mean ukraine war-torn i mean like like um yeah people wearing necklaces of ears and raping (laughs) babies (laughs) yeah tuesday in uganda (laughs) Yeah, we're like you're making your house with mud and, and reeds, and mm-hmm. uh, you're drinking dirty water, and you clearly know there's medical problems going on with your kids that are being stolen and forced to kill you, mm-hmm. right? Or their their sister, you know, whatever, yeah. right? And I imagine what that person would think. Would they be crying over the idea that they're being targeted for you know whatever reasons they're being targeted, or are they just mm-hmm. going to do something about it, right? Yeah. And then you you scale that up to to what it is to live in modern day America. And it's like, Oh man, your problems get a whole lot smaller. Yeah. Uh, And so I just, I don't, I don't allow myself to have the limiting beliefs around, you know, how far I can succeed the things that I can do my entrepreneurial ideas. Um, uh, For instance, a lot of people were very against the idea of me giving free services. I personally was one of them. Yeah, you. Yeah, I was yeah. actually against you starting the business from the start because I, I was like, nobody's just going to want to. This was before COVID, but I was like, nobody's just going to want to go get training from a marine. And yeah, I, I was wrong. I'll openly admit that I was wrong on that. Both, okay, both of like, those. <laughs> yeah, it's actually more anti-gun than you might think. Mm-hmm. Um, but but anyway, yeah. So so you just kind of put your life into perspective realize that no one gives a fuck about your problems right mm-hmm. and just do something about it innovate solve a problem protect your family you know work and also like it's when you see people like you like dr ben carson like you know i mean not you know, <laughs> you know I'm, I'm not trying to blow it out of proportion here but um i think that it's it's good too to note okay People, there are people who have went through discrimination and, you know, I don't know what discriminations you went through, whatever. But instead of saying, 
oh, I'm a victim. Oh, I can't succeed. I think that the better message to put out there is even if you believe that America's a racist place, yeah, life's going to be harder for you than for white people. But guess what? We're not bitches. We're not the white man's bitch. We're not the, you know, whatever. Go pay attention in school. You know, graduate, work hard, do all these things, you know, treat people right, uh, you know, care about the way that you're perceived. You start putting out that message and telling them, yeah, it will be harder, but you can still succeed. You can still talk, you know, it doesn't have to be an only America's not doesn't have any racism or any racist issues. Um, You can still say America has a lot of issues and still give a message of entrepreneurial hope. And I think that that's what people need. Um, Yeah. Um, and then, you know, with, with the opportunities you have in the 21st century, I mean, just this yeah. thing right here, you can run a whole business on yeah. a whole damn business plus your personal life. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you have access to a global marketplace. You can create products that don't even exist tangibly and sell them for money. Mm-hmm. Right, you can leverage skills through the internet. It's just people spend inordinate amount amounts of money on video game clothes for their video game characters. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. and that's and, a and so, silly thing. But the person who came up with that idea is filthy rich. Yeah, yeah, and so and so it's just the prospect that people can can think that that, and before anyone says anything. uh I've actually had a cross burned in my yard, right? Sorry about that. In my defense, I didn't know it was your yard, but you people all look alike to me. But I've grown since then. Yeah. The the, the Justice Department actually took the case all the way up to um, the Supreme Court, and uh, we actually changed a bunch of laws and everything. Or When I say we, I mean my my family. And this was Virginia, Um, correct? Yeah, yeah. And I don't mean like my family like in the past. I mean like my immediate my mother, my father, my brother, my sisters, and I. Um, uh, and so we, we dealt with that. And so we moved around and tried, tried to figure that out and everything. Mm-hmm. And it left a big mark on my father. And he's had that that kind of limiting mentality for a long time. I've also had Asperger's my whole damn life. Mm-hmm. right? So I know what it's like being autistic and the social problems that exist within that. I mean, being in the military sucks. Yeah. But, um, and then, uh, you know... Um, you know, a variety of other things. You want to say I'm a man, I don't get it, whatever, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if, before any, anyone says anything, you know, I've I've been through it, but are you going to allow someone else to dictate your emotions, number one? Two, are you going to blame your lack of success on anything but yourself? Because if you are, then you are admitting that you are not in control of your own life, mm-hmm. right? Number three, you have every opportunity in the world now, right? Despite what anyone might say to you and how much you like it or not, mm-hmm. you have every, every opportunity in the world now to become successful in a relatively easy way, mm-hmm. right? Now, because the vast majority of people aren't going to reject you because you're black or you're autistic or you're... It's in many ways, I'd argue, an advantage depending on the field that you're going into yeah. at this point. That's very mm-hmm. new, but... At this point, I mean, they have quotas, affirmative action that they have to fill. They drop yeah. the standards at universities for certain races and raise them for others. So, yeah, it, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's if you're a woman in the 21st century, then I mean, oh, it's very easy to do what you want as long as as long as you're attractive. Yeah, it's Is it- yeah. I don't know how that. Um, I don't know how you you get people to realize that. I think that people. I mean, it's you have people like Candace Owens that you know have have these kind of red pill moments, and it's very interesting. But I don't know how you you know in a big way change that when you have such an active especially with uh like the black community for instance or the gay community the there's such a stranglehold on on them by a certain political party that wants to use them for votes that i mean it's not even like they're just letting them you know do what they want and then maybe the cultural change on its own it's like they're actively trying to suppress the culture and i i think a lot of people on the right maybe are uh just ignoring it and like have just completely written off these communities um so i don't know i'd I'd like to find a way to get that message out there but i think that highlighting and giving a platform and showing success stories is maybe part of what we want to do in this show and try to find people you know hopefully in the future people better than you no i'm just kidding (laughs) but um uh yeah that was pretty much all i had um you have anything you want to add? I'll uh, plug all your stuff. Um, anything you want to talk about? <laughs> mm. Mm. At some point, I'd like to get you on a call with um, also a guy I know from the Marine Corps who owns a Red Red Cell Training Group um, out in Virginia or North Carolina, actually. Um, I want to come up with a, a game plan to secure schools and to a, kind of a training program for teachers to go through. And I kind of I have some ideas about how to secure schools and forcing teachers to have to go, undergo some sort of training and, you know, putting an armory in the school. I've, we can get into that. But I'd like to come up, get with you guys, because you both own um, self-defense training companies, and kind of come up with a plan, how much it would cost, blah, 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 to do some basic training with teachers so that schools could be secured internally. And then I'd like to shotgun that to Congress, local government. I'd like to get it out there, that actual proposal, like for this amount of money, dirt cheap, you could have schools internally secured. I'd like to get together with you guys and and work on that at some point if you're interested. That's one hell of a feat. Uh, (laughs) I'd be down to to work on it. I mean, it's a hell of a feat, but all we can do is put the information out there. And you guys are both qualified to uh, talk about it. You know the numbers of how you, you know, the cost you'd be looking at. Because the thing with putting veterans and cops in school is they immediately shut it down and start saying that it's too expensive. And even though we spend money on way dumber shit, they, that's how they shut it down. And then, you know, so I think that having schools and, you know, with the police, we've seen a lot of negative stuff here lately, like that Uvalde shooting. So I'd like schools to be able to internally be secure. Yeah. Uh, contrary to what most people might think, I don't believe that it's too expensive to be done. I think that it's actually pretty cheap to do. Um, yeah, it, it all depends on on what you want that to look like, right? In my opinion, I think it's actually far more effective to address the individual um, and then work on the individual gaining the skills necessary to act in a high-stress situation whatever it may be right um and then act with tools in that situation Mm -hmm. right 
and and then have all your actions work to that end mm -hmm. and all your resources work to that end and your planning and so on um now the, the contrary uh belief system would be throw a bunch of money at a company that offers a package and in that package it has you know it'll have all these like buzz names like um like crisis uh, response training seminar yeah something ridiculous mm -hmm. like that um where they just tell people a bunch of stats and how cool they are and, you know all this crap mm -hmm. um but at the end of the day the thing that's that's going to be the differentiator is is showing the staff showing the administrators showing um those in charge politically uh what happens in that kind of situation and i don't mean throwing them through the news or something i mean like mocking that shit up and showing them the violence of action that occurs mm -hmm. uh, and just the violence in general that, that occurs mm -hmm. and the horrific things that may occur um, so that they can understand what is, what is necessary and what is not necessary. Um, and so we can move past all of the limiting beliefs um, in, the, in the budget concerns and so on and the anti-gun rhetoric. That's a good and, point and, because I think, you know, I put it to everyone makes it political and the right's just as guilty of this as well. Um, but maybe it's not like an intentional thing. It's just, it's like, you know, the new, if it's not in your immediate bubble, then it's just far off. Maybe really exposing people to the reality and then being like, look, you don't want more guns in schools, like say with trained veterans or trained teachers, concealed carrying, whatever. But we live in an imperfect world that needs imperfect solutions. This is what that actually looks like. This It's yeah. not like a movie. It's not like what you're picturing in your head. This is truly how disturbing it is. Um, you know. Yeah. When shit gets real, people people change pretty quick. Yeah. Right? You're always going to be anti-gun when they're, when they're um, hiding behind a cop using a gun. Oh yeah. Well, everyone, yeah, the anti, it's a, it's a position of privilege to be anti-gun <laughs> because yeah. no one, people have needed to defend them to defend themselves basically throughout all of human history. And guns are a great equalizer for women, for the weak. Um, they're basically, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a very first world problem to have to be to even it's it's yeah. kind of a an interesting thing that we're to a place where you could even be anti-gun, you know, like the fact that that's like something we debate and go back and forth with, you know. But um anyway, uh we'll wrap up here. Um definitely want to have you back on cuz we have a lot more that I wanted to dive into, but you know, I want to try and keep these yeah. under a hour and a half. But um all right. Well, I appreciate it, man. And I will cut it right here. Every day that I wake up, I wake up in a nightmare. Every day that I wake up, I can never see quite clear. When I look at my surroundings and everybody still doubts me. I want to live to hear a crowd sing. All my lyrics so loudly. I miss it.